The Pace Line is supported by LAL Cycling. The coast is calling. LAL Shore Collection embodies the spirit and style of the California coast. All LAL products are crafted right here in Southern California for shipment worldwide. Now on to the show. Hello, Paceliners. Michael Houghton here, a.k.a. Hottie. Finishing up the third leg of a four-leg trip, which has involved automobiles, bikes, walking, and as you can tell by the sound behind me, a train. Uh, but this Paceline show and my Paceline poll is not going to be about modes of transportation. It's going to be about packing and packing light. So, enjoy the Pacific Surfliner as it goes by here, and enjoy another edition of the Pace Line. All aboard. Line, the podcast on two wheels. Patrick Hotty and Fatty bringing you the official podcast of redkiteprayer.com. Find us there on RKP, on Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Episode 112, Patrick, publisher of RKP. You're a sea otter, right? Well, uh, <laughs> that's, um, that's sort of a debatable point. The event doesn't start until tomorrow. But yeah, I'm I'm in the greater Monterey uh, loveliness. <laughs> and what are you most looking forward to there? Uh, honestly, people, mm-hmm. <laughs> says the introvert. There are going to be a, a whole lot of great bike industry people who I oh, get fantastic. to see. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll see a lot of cool products. I'll see stuff that I will positively salivate over, like the uh, Ibis Ripmo. Um Buddy of mine has a new job at Specialized, so I'm looking forward to hearing about that. But yeah, mostly it's just getting to see wonderful people and talk to them. All right. Looking forward to hearing the reports on people and products and everything else. Hottie, you've been to Sea Otter a couple of times at least, right? Yeah, yeah. You bummed to be missing it this year? Yeah. You know, I I think I actually like Sea Otter better than Interbike. It's close. I mean, Interbike, you've got volume. There's so much... But Sea Otter, you feel like you get closer. Plus, writing is right there. I mean, the event itself allows for immediate, hey, jump on a bike, try this, try that, because uh, you're outdoors in the expo area at all times. And number two, the other reason I'm, I miss Sea Otter is because I was married on the Monterey Peninsula, and I just love going there. I mean, the peninsula really? is great. So, yeah, I was married in uh, Carmel, so not just down the road there from Laguna Seca. And by the way, if you ever get a chance, I know you don't road race much, Fatty. If you ever get a chance to do the circuit race at Sea Otter, do it because they put you on the racetrack and it's a hmm. kick. I mean, it's an absolute blast. It's hard, too. It blows right through there. So <laughs> it's a hard race, but it's a blast. We had so much fun. Of course, the pavement is perfect. Yeah. I would like to go to Sea Otter sometime. I have never been, uh, just like I never went to prom. Uh, and, but <laughs> well, you can't but fix I am that, on the but pace you can line. fix this. 
<laughs> That's probably true. Well, this is kind of like prom. Paceline is like bike nerd prom. It, or it's like playing D&D while everyone else goes to prom, which is a pretty close to fit to my actual high school experience. Enough about me and my need for therapy. Hottie, you've got the first poll today. Uh, my poll, guys, takes us on the road again. So cue the Willie Nelson, and let's go to the tape. Hello, Paceliners. Michael Houghton here, Hottie here, from the Residence Inn by Marriott in lovely San Diego, California. What am I doing here? I'm going to explain that right now. This is what I'm calling my minimalist poll. Minimalist poll. You can look that word up later, figure out what it means. <laughs> Hopefully, this poll will describe or will get to the meaning of minimalist. You know, I've talked to you a number of times, Fatty and I, and Patrick for that matter, on the subject of packing. We've talked about packing a bike in a bike case and going on a trip. Fatty and I have obviously been to Leadville a couple times together. We've talked about what we bring to Leadville, and that usually means whatever you want because at least one of us drives to that trip. But this is going to be the opposite. This is going to be bike packing. This is actually my first bike packing trip. So I've lost my virginity in bike packing. And I know what you're saying, Paceliners. Look, Hottie, a residence in by Marriott is hardly bike packing. Usually, bike packing involves sleeping outdoors. Well, here's the other side of the story. Along with me for this first bike packing trip is Mrs. Hottie. She actually came up with the idea of riding here to San Diego as part of a little weekend adventure. And since she agreed to ride with me to San Diego, I agreed to carry everything. And so I went out and bought a couple of bike packing bags and we then stuffed all our stuff together and I carried everything and she rode along. Not only that, she got the draft behind me. So pretty good deal for her, but I'll have to give her credit. It was her idea to ride down here and we took full advantage. So what I want to do here as part of my minimalist poll is give you an idea, kind of do a little inventory of the stuff we brought for a little one-night adventure. And while I go over the stuff, Fatty and Patrick, I want you to think about what would you bring? What do you have to bring? What are your, what are your minimums when you go on an overnight trip or if you were to do a trip similar to this, or if it was an outdoor trip or whatever. What are the absolute essentials you think you would have to bring for an overnight uh, bike packing type trip? Now, this is what Mrs. Hottie and I kind of came up with. Um, we each obviously wore a kit to ride down here in. It was a good day out. I mean, it was started in the 60s and it got to near 80. So we didn't have to really dress heavy for the ride, but each of us wore arm warmers uh, regular old jersey, pair of bibs. Mrs. Hottie had a vest on and a pair of gloves, helmet, shoes, you know, the normal stuff that you'd ride a bike on. So that was pretty standard fare. Now, as far as what we packed for our little overnight adventure to San Diego, we had to keep it uh, pretty tight. Now, first of all, we each, the hardest part about this, this packing portion was shoes. Because since we were coming to San Diego, we knew we'd have to do some walking around after the riding we needed a pair of shoes each that were worthy of walking. We're not talking about flip-flops. So we each brought a pair of actually these Nike light runners um, that they make. I don't know if air lights. I don't know what they call these. Always, it's always air something with Nike. But we each have a pair of those. It was a little difficult 
to find room for that for those shoes um but we each did bring a pair of shoes now my attire came down to this i brought a pair of uh, mountain bike shorts very thin lightweight zoic mountain bike shorts a t-shirt um a long sleeve light merino wool um base layer just in case it got a little cool uh, I also brought a pair of tights. These are just workout tights, you know, by Under Armour, um, as opposed to bringing a, a pair of long pants. That way I could just, in fact, this morning, I put my Under Armour um, kind of long john things underneath my shorts, got up, walked around the gas lamp quarter for a bit, and was perfectly fine. I also brought, just as an emergency, uh, Rafa's lightweight a windbreaker jacket this is the lightest jacket they make it goes in a stuff sack i'm holding it in the palm of my hand it fits in the palm of your hand that's how small it is so i ended up not using it but i i had it just in case in fact i've had this jacket for a couple months now i've yet to wear it at all it's just kind of gone on a lot of trips so far so for mrs hottie uh, a little more of a uh, clothing lineup here for her but that's okay she got a t-shirt here to change into a pair of lightweight long pants um, almost like capri style pants. She also has a pair of shorts, a long sleeve, lightweight undergarment, and I think that covers it for her. We went over to the shoes already. Um, now, here's the other bit about this trip. Here's the other piece to this trip that added a little bit to our clothing inventory. In addition to just coming here to San Diego, this is also a fulfillment trip. I am fulfilling a Christmas gift I received from Mrs. Hottie, which was two tickets to the San Diego Padres game versus my San Francisco Giants. So we had a ball game too to go to in addition to just being here in San Diego, which meant you have to dress for the game and pull for your team. So we allowed ourselves some Giants paraphernalia. Mrs. Hottie has her San Francisco Giants jersey on, the Brandon Crawford jersey. He's the starting shorts on for the Giants. I brought a San Francisco Giants hat and a pair of San Francisco Giants uh, Madison Bumgarner socks, high socks. So we looked the part while we were at uh, Petco Park, and it really didn't cost us too much extra weight in the process. So those extras we allowed ourselves. The bags I used. Let's go over these bags real quick. So I think some of you have heard me talk about my Tangle bag from Revelate Designs. That bag is on my crisscross, my Fetch Inch crisscross. In addition, I've got their seat bag now too. It's the Revelate Designs Viscacha seat bag. Now this bag is their go-to seat bag. This is their number one selling seat bag. It's not a dry bag. It's not a harness with a dry bag. It is just like a gigantic seat bag. And this is where I stuffed uh, a lot of the items that we carried. Our clothing all went in here. One pair of shoes went in here. So it carried a, a large amount of our load. Um, I also carried a Timbuktu, uh, my commuter backpack, very lightweight backpack. Uh, I put a pair of shoes in here and the most controversial item of this trip. And that is this plastic bag of toiletries. <laughs> now, for Mr. Hottie, I simply went with a toothbrush. Mrs. Hottie and I went round and round about the other stuff in this bag. Um, you know, it's the ladies' needs, and I guess I should be a little more sensitive to this stuff. But, 
we have in here saline solution, underarm deodorant, oil of Olay lotion. I think there's some makeup and some eyeliner material in here. I see an eyelash curler in here and I don't know why that's necessary. But look, Mrs. Hottie, this was her idea to ride down here and I guess I should be a little nicer and uh, allow some of these extras come along. But a true minimalist, I think, would have eliminated this somehow. Some of the makeup items and set of fill, cleansing pads and what have you. Especially when, since you're staying in a hotel and they provide a lot of that stuff. So that was our uh, inventory. Again, we went to the Giants game, um, which was a lot of fun. The Giants lost, but we were able to look the part and it didn't cost us too much extra weight. It's been a great trip down here to uh, San Diego, um, and we are due to get on a train in a few minutes to get back. So, from the Residence Inn in Marriott, we bid you adieu. And <laughs> like the lovely actress Jennifer Garner likes to say, what's in your wallet? Patty and Patrick, I wanna know what's in your bag, but you gotta keep it to a minimum. All right, guys. And I should add, um, that was, by the way, me from the Residence Inn in San Diego. Got a back announce. Uh, we also brought phones and cords, I forgot to say. Obviously, we had cell phones and charging cords. And my little recorder. I recorded that thing on my portable Sony recorder that I carry uh, most places when I go on a trip. So I had that in my bag, too. The, by the way, the riding portion was from San Juan Capistrano, which is South Orange County, to San Diego, downtown San Diego, about 70 miles. So that was the... That was the riding distance. All right, Fatty. <laughs> no Honda Ridgeline this time. You want to take it? You got to carry it. What's in your bag? Oh, I, I'm i going to be honest. I don't ever want to go bikepacking. And so I, I don't have a good answer for you. <laughs> it's I, I, The way you guys did it to me sounds just right. I love the idea of an all-day ride. Uh, to a destination and staying somewhere and even doing another all-day ride. But I, um, I, you know, the only way I would have changed your ride is I would have figured out a way to get all of my stuff to the hotel, like ship it in a box. <laughs> <laughs> Bike packing and, is great as long as someone else is doing it. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> One of the reasons I am super excited for the Breck Epic this year is that it is six days of riding and it's six days of trail, but I'm staying in the same place all six days. I don't have to do any packing. Um, I, I think there's nothing quite so awesome as having a set-up base camp hotel <laughs> where I don't have to pack up before the ride or arriving at the end of the ride and not needing to unpack. So uh, I think the way you did it was awesome. And mm -hmm. I bet that your recorder weighed more than Mrs. Hottie's makeup. Um, no, but, no. <laughs> uh, it was a pretty hefty bag. It was a larger, uh, plastic bag. I'll say that. Um, okay. okay. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's, I, I liked, first of all, I hate packing too. Like you fatty. I just can't, it's just a drag. Every time I go on a trip, I'm like, Oh God, what am I going to take? When I, the cool thing about bike packing is it forces you to pare it down to the essentials. Only mm -hmm. what you know you're going to need is going to go in that bag because otherwise you're either going to be overloaded or things are going to be spilling out or you're going to have 50 bags hanging off your bike which you don't want. So it kind of uh put yeah. the put the, you know, it kind of puts the the reins on you a little bit when you're when you're headed out on a road trip. 
I only took, I mean, I had it down to just one change of clothes. I wore that same change of clothes like Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning and Hey, things were good. Patrick, yeah. uh, you have some experience with this bike packing thing. Give me some uh, yep. Patrick essentials. And if you can, remember some stuff you carried around for hundreds of miles and really didn't need. Well, I can't say that I've ever carried stuff that I truly did not need. Um, you know, I, I felt like everything that I had with me was pretty justified. Um, that said, if I was doing a trip like yours, um, you know, even an out and back, but one where I'm staying um, in a hotel or motel, um, and I needed to keep it minimal, um, I would do a second pair of bib shorts. Um, I would not do another base layer and jersey and arm warmers. I might have a super packable um, windbreaker just as a precaution. And then I would do, if I could get away with it, uh, environment wise, I would do a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and then like a pair of flip-flops or something so that I could walk around. If I needed to go super minimal, I'd wear mountain bike shoes and ride mountain bike pedals and then just risk, you know, clomping around a bit. But certainly that's not as bad as you get with road shoes. Um, I would definitely take a toothbrush and toothpaste, but for me, I wouldn't, I would most likely not take any other toiletries. Um, I've got a prescription or two that I need to keep with me. Um, so I do, you know, a little Ziploc baggie with those. Um, as far as what my partner brings along, I would simply say, you know, here's the space we've got left, uh, plan accordingly. I've learned not to try to edit, uh, what what someone else brings just uh-huh. here's your space plan accordingly yep uh, she did a great job actually you know that was the only thing we went round and round about was the was the makeup bag i've been you know i'm hoping to, to step it up to the next level with this and do something outdoors um you know grab a sleeping bag and a tent if needed and do that so i've been watching a lot of videos and i'm amazed how little people can get by with, and I'm talking about multi-day things where they go for two, three nights out or even longer. I mean, there are people who do cross-country trips who pretty much get by on one pair of bibs and a jersey. They just wash things every night. Um, They get quick-drying stuff. I know Velocio, they make like a quick-drying pair of bibs where you can wash them in the sink the night, and the next morning you get up and they're pretty much dry. And if they're not, I've seen guys just say, hey, just go out and ride. They'll dry out eventually. Um, And a change of clothes... Um, shoes are a big, they're a controversial item. A lot of people say, forget the shoes. They're just bulky and weighty. Camp shoes are ridiculous. Um, I've heard guys saying, yeah, I just pack an extra pair of socks, thick socks. I tape some old insoles to the bottom. And if I need to get up and walk around, that's it. Otherwise, when you're at camp, you're at camp. The other important thing I've seen consistently with people who are getting into bikepacking or veterans of bikepacking is a flask. I mean, nearly every one of these people carries a flask hmm. with booze in it because beer is just too heavy to carry. But a yeah, flask, but that demands you like whiskey. That's uh-huh. a whole separate issue. And I do. Oh, so well, work. that works work just fine for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. So, Fatty, I'm looking forward to, to stepping this up. I'll keep you updated, and I'll try to draw you in to this, you know, to this minimalist attitude. I am I'm willing to learn. I I think that my aversion to this is probably more of a 
never done it before than a completely unwilling to do it. And, you know, as long as I got Ambien with me, I will be able to get a decent <laughs> night's sleep. And that's my main concern. Yeah. Uh, everything else is gravy. So super nice poll, Hottie. Um, I think it is my turn to come out front, see if I can keep up the pace. I am on a more or less permanent quest, guys, to avoid bonking and end cramps. And I've tried a million things to do this. I've tried hot shots. I've tried pickle juice, both with some degree of temporary success. I've tried electrolyte capsules, and those have helped, I think. What I haven't really tried is going back to the basics. Salt. But there's a startup based here in Utah that some local athletes are swearing by. It's called FlowCore, a supplement with salt, magnesium, and potassium, and that's it. I talked with Dr. Stuart Porter, who is a decorated Ironman athlete and one of the people involved with developing this new product. Dr. Porter, welcome to the Pace Line. Thanks. Great to be here. You've raced the Kona Ironman. That is not a minor thing, but you didn't have a great day. I did not have a great day. I um, I raced that in October of 2016 and had hoped to finish top 2025 20, in my age group, and uh, it didn't happen that way. So what ha- what did happen? Well, things went fairly well. I'm not a great swimmer, but I got through the swim in in the time that I expected to get, and the bike was as expected. Um, as many of you may have heard. There are considerable wins in Kona for the bike, and, and it's not unexpected or unusual to get headwinds in both directions, believe it or not. Hot, humid, and headwinds. Headwinds, yeah, exactly. So um, about three-quarters of the way through the bike, I started to just feel weaker. I just wasn't, uh, you know, my speed started to drop and just wasn't feeling myself. And then by about a mile and a half into the run, when I uh, saw my family on the road cheering me on, I was really starting to drag. And, and even when I bent over to hands on knees to talk to the family, came back up and was kind of starting to black out and realized quickly that I was very dehydrated. I'd done the usual things that I do when I train here in Utah in this drier environment and usual fluid intake and fuel and so on. Um, not really realizing that in Kona, those hot and humid, um, humid conditions, uh, you don't realize because of the wind that you're losing a lot more fluid than you think you are. Mm-hmm. And so I had to slow down my run pace more of a brisk walk, if that, for another seven or eight miles and really take salt uh, and push a lot of fluids before I could get back into a run. cost me probably about 45 minutes with the, the time I expected and hoped to have. Wow. Um, but I learned from that experience that uh, salt and hydration are critical. And I, I had, interestingly, had been on a ketogenic diet, still am. Mm-hmm. I think there's some real significant metabolic benefits for um, for endurance athletes doing that. And I'd been on that path, um, and I had read and heard and knew, really, that, that you needed to hydrate more, take more salt, because carbohydrates hydrate. Without carbohydrates, you're less hydrated. Um, but in those conditions, had really underestimated the amount of salt and fluid that I needed and paid the price. So is that pretty common? Most of us underhydrate. We get through it. Mm-hmm. You know, some of our races are shorter, and it's a little easier to get by um, if the races are shorter. But I'll give you one example of the importance of proper salt and hydration. A study done in Italy, um, which was published in in 2015, um, randomized trial, um, 
looked at 26 athletes. I believe they split them up into 13 and 13, but the only differences they had was the salt intake. So there was a higher sodium intake group and a lower um, sodium intake group. And on average, the higher salt intake group was 26 minutes faster. Now, for those Hmm. athletes out there, that is really significant. Yeah. Um, It does make a big, big difference. I think particularly... Um, for those who are keto adapted, it, it's even more critical that you have that optimal sodium intake and water along with that, hydration along with that. But since that race, uh, my coach turned me on to a website called Levelen, L-E-V-E-L-E-N.com, where you can order kits and uh, you can measure how much sodium loss you have on an hourly basis. Mm-hmm. That for me has been really helpful. I, I learned that I lose almost 1,400 milligrams of sodium per hour. Is that a pretty common amount to be losing? I've heard of some people, I've read that some people can lose up to four grams per hour. This all kind of leads to the the business that uh, you're involved with now, uh, FlowCore. Flow there, I said it right. So FlowCore is a fairly simple product. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has three simple ingredients. There's salt, magnesium and potassium. The salt is is real salt, the brand real salt. It's 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 mined here in um, locally in the state of Utah and it's a it's a ancient sea salt yeah. with over 70 trace minerals and we've we know that those are very important for metabolic function so we don't want to s- skip those if we can get those in there's um, significant benefit to having those and then we added some additional magnesium and uh, and potassium which we lose during sweat as well i have learned even if i'm taking 32 ounces per hour of the new Gatorade endurance formula i'm only getting um, 800 milligrams of sodium. That's typically what they're offering on some of these races. For example, Kona, that's what they have available for you. Yeah. Uh, you can have your own mix and so on and so forth. But you know, sometimes, especially on the run, we run out of our own mix and we're using what's available. And in my case, I would on average need four of our capsules. There's 270 milligrams of, of, of sodium per capsule. So four of those on top of my 32 ounces of the Gatorade Endurance is what I would need to properly replace what I'm losing. Mm-hmm. So that's the impetus behind this product. Simple, inexpensive, easy to use, some, some capsules you can just easily carry on you during a race. Can you keep those in your jersey pocket? Where are you putting Where are you putting four per hour? I mean, when you are on the bike, four hours, that's, I mean, that's a lot. I have them in a Ziploc baggie on my bento box. I have them on a Ziploc uh, baggie in my run belt. Yeah. Um, and that's the way that, that I typically do it is just reach in and get those. And I'll usually take two every 30 minutes unless I forget. And sometimes I'll take four, but I want to make sure and, and, and chase that with enough fluid so that it doesn't bother my stomach. Well, Dr. Porter, this has been interesting stuff. Tell tell me where people can find uh, Flow. You can find it on Amazon okay. and you can find it at uh, our website directly. That's flow.com. All right. And my thanks to Dr. Stuart Porter of FlowCore, uh, who I have, in fact, raced against and can verify that this keto-powered dude who is about 10 years my senior can utterly kick my ass. <laughs> Full disclosure, I haven't been uh, on a long enough ride to, since I've learned about this thing yet, this FlowCore, to try it out. But the big rides of summer, when it gets hot, it's coming. I'll let you know what I think. Mm. So, Hadi, I know yep. that you're a thinking man's writer. You do a lot of research about anything you do. So, do you supplement with anything during long rides? Um, I've tried a lot of things. I've never, I'll have to say this, I've never been a salt stick guy. I know that's popular actually with triathletes. Hey, the salt stick, 
Uh, yeah. Seems to be one of their go-to. I never, I've never done that. I do salt my food quite a bit. Um, I stay away from fast food and preserved foods, but I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm generous with the salt when I cook. So I do get mm-hmm. my share of salt that way. Never one to take sports legs, but I, I, I take stuff that probably is found in sports legs um, throughout my, my writing week. Uh, most of my drinks have electrolytes in them. I do believe in that. I think there's some value in that. Um, electrolytes and flavoring. I mean, the flavor gets you to drink and you want to keep drinking and the electrolytes do, I think, I believe, help you with your, your muscles firing, contracting, and releasing. When I'm training really hard, I will supplement with extra magnesium. Uh, this is the mineral that is used when your muscles release. Calcium is used when your muscles contract and magnesium for release. And what's a cramp? A cramp is a failure of your muscle to release it simply simply contracts and doesn't let go and that can be not always that can be a magnesium deficiency i don't want people going out now and stuffing magnesium down their throat because they're a cramper (laughs) there's lots of different reasons why people cramp there's millions of them and science still has not nailed it down for some people yes magnesium can work uh the other benefit of magnesium is if you drink a lot one night kind of helps with that hangover actually so there's another upside to that. The other thing I, I use pretty regularly now, and some of this has to do with what Goo is doing, um, but more than anything, it has to do with what I learned from the Stacy Sims, who's now who was uh, the founder of Osmo and is now with Noon. Um, I do use branch chain amino acids. I usually have right. I got a long day. I'll have at least. One of those drinks. You can find those now in Goo products. They put them in their gels. I think they have a drink mix too, don't they, Fatty, that has branch chain amino acids in it? They um, do. All their Roctane products have a BCAA in them. Yeah. Right. So, um, What's Stacy Sims, where I first got, when I first got interested in this, I was reading about women's hydration needs. And Dr. Sims was saying, look, for women who are on their period, their hydration becomes much more complicated. And one thing that can help them are branch chain amino acids. And she, the way she explained it made it sound like, well, not only can it help a woman, it can help a man too. And so I wrote her and asked her, I said, wait, what about BCAAs for men? Do they benefit too, even though clearly they don't have a cycle? And she said, yes, it's fine too for men to take. Just don't, in a race, you want to be careful about how much you're ingesting. Because if you ingest too much, then it starts acting like protein. And what protein will do is it'll actually squelch how much, Sugar is being delivered into your bloodstream. It acts like insulin almost. So you got to be hmm. careful with that. But branch chain amino acids have been shown to at least not only help with hydration, but also stave off fatigue. Um, so for those reasons, I do a little bit of branch chain. And in addition, they help you recover too. I mean, if you want to have a hard day and you've topped off a little BCAAs, it can help with some of that muscle soreness as well. So I will use those I guess, did I count three? Well, magnesium as a supplement at times, electrolytes, and some branched-chain amino acids. All right. And for myself, I've typically gone uh, the route that you were sort of describing, where through what I'm drinking and through what I'm eating, uh, I try to get most of my electrolytes as well as uh, uh, minerals, you know, magnesium, sodium, potassium. Uh, that said, I'm kind of interested in, you know, the the salt component is one thing that I've tended to ignore a little bit during 
big, long events. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just looking at my jersey, I can tell that I'm losing a lot of salt. You know, there's it, you know, just caked in salt. Uh, Patrick, uh, what about you? Uh, what are you using to keep yourself salted or otherwise mineralified during big rides? It's funny. I almost feel like I shouldn't even talk. Generally speaking, I, I think of myself as a scientific method fail. Um, <laughs> I, um, the first reason I think anything that comes out of my mouth ought to be discounted as irrelevant for most of our listeners is that I don't cramp. I just never cramp on the bike. And wow. I, don't, I don't know if that's because um, I'm simply not strong enough to dig deep enough to cause a cramp and I'm relying way too much on aerobic fitness or it's that I'm some variety of mutant that came down from Mars or Beetlejuice or I don't know, Rigel 4, I don't know. Um, But I don't cramp. And, you know, I'm doing the standard stuff that people do to take care of themselves. I'm a big fan of Scratch Labs and of Osmo for my hydration. And I go with standard uh, fueling uh, products. So I'm I'm big on uh, goos. I'm big on chews. Uh, you know the 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 goo chews, um, scratches, um, chews, uh, gels from goo. Uh, occasionally cliff shots, but. Nine times out of ten, if something's going in my mouth on a ride, it's one of those products, and. <laughs> You know, I can't, that's not a genius system for avoiding cramps. It doesn't work for a lot of other people. You know, they need more than that. So asking me what I do to avoid cramping is an insufficient response for most of humanity. Yeah. Well, and all of these things, you know, cramping is only part of the equation since it's the part that hurts. It's easiest to focus on, but there's the bonking part of the equation too. I mean, the interview that I had with Dr. Porter, it what, he wasn't cramping; he just faded and bonked hard uh, because of the you know the serious imbalance f- right. of you know lack of sodium and lack wow. of potassium. Uh, and, you know, I, and I, I know for sure you bonked, Patrick. We've talked about that. Oh so, yeah, I, I can bonk good. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think we we've, we've all got some experience with that. So I don't. Know, I, I am interested in trying uh, trying out this flow core. I will let you guys know uh, what kind of success I have with it, if any. So to be continued on that. Okay, I'm going to drop back, Patrick. Your pull is up. Okay, so where to begin? Good grief! When I started RKP nearly nine years ago, I intended for it to speak to road cycling pro road racing, road products, and most especially road culture. In the background, um, in my background and not a completely definable way, was my interest in what cycling did for my spirit, particularly what descending did for my spirit. And then I learned about flow states. Since then, my focus in in cycling has changed. It's it's undergone more than just a change. It's a transformation. I'm much less concerned with the roadside of cycling to the exclusion of all else. In fact, I don't even want to exclude other forms of cycling. And RKP no longer excludes those other, other disciplines, most especially as evidenced by our mentions of mountain biking. What this really points to 
is how my view of my own writing has undergone a transformation. I'm now cycling agnostic. I just don't care what kind of bike I'm riding as long as I'm able to chase flow. Now, I suppose that taking my kids to school on an e-cargo bike might not actually fit that. I don't think I've achieved flow while taking the kids to school. But other than that, seriously, I'm, I'm chasing flow. Uh, you know, mountain bike rides, being at the pump track, all that stuff. That's, you know, for me, a successful ride is one where I, I hit flow. So the big epiphany for me is, okay, I'm a flow junkie and cycling is my delivery device. The question I have for you guys is if your cycling has undergone any transformations for you since you began. How is riding different? Not just in the machines you own, but really in what cycling means to you. Hottie, you don't seem like to be the rider you were when you started, but I'm curious to know in your in your view, how has cycling changed? Yeah, I, I'm not what I was even five years ago. You know, competition was was at the forefront. That was the thing that drove me and that was the thing that motivated me to get on the bike. Now I, I want my rides to create memories. So instead of, you know, looking at podiums or finishes or helping teammates, I'm trying to create memories, new memories. And, and that usually means finding new events or going back to the ones that always offer something new. So that's probably why I've reduced the amount of USAC racing I'm now doing. I've seen all the courses, know most of the people, and I've even won a couple times. So my cycling is focusing on new places and people to find my satisfaction. It's about having a good day on the bike, whatever that takes. And when I have these standout days, I find they put me in a great mood for days after. It's like a drug almost, you know, you get a little dose of it and boom, you're high for a while after because you can just kind of relive those great memories you had. So uh, I think the secret to this, if I can, if I can achieve it, is just to link those great rides, those memory creating rides together as close as possible. So in between, you've got this great, steady, positive mood all the time. It's probably, it's... Is it possible? Maybe, but I think it's worth trying. And so creating memories, Patrick, that's that's really my goal now with writing. Very cool. I like that. Uh, it reminds me of a conversation I had just last night with Neil Shirley. He talked about how cycling has evolved for him and what he wants to do you know, in his own writing life beyond his career. Uh, it was really fascinating to listen to, and I, I think I want to have him on the show to talk more about that. Fatty. Uh, I know you're not the writer you were when you started, um, but you know I'm, I'm like you, uh, or like I was with Hadi. I'm curious, you know what what inside has changed for you? Hmm. Um, I would say that I haven't changed. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and play contrarian for a second. Okay. All I have ever cared about with cycling is having fun. What I interpret as fun changes pretty much on a season by season basis. One year, all I will care about is being fast on the road, and that's fun. One year, I will care about becoming a better mountain biker, and that's fun. One year, I might think that I'm going to be the fastest I have ever been, and that's fun. This year, 
I'm enjoying for the first time ever having a full suspension mountain bike and just, you know, a super deluxe, really nice full suspension ride and not worrying about racing so much as just uh, enjoying company. And that's fun. I would say, you know, the common thread, not too different from what Hadi said, is I care about fun. Flow state, I mean, what you're talking about there, honestly, you know, I, I, I hear you talking and I mean, I... I, I guess that makes sense. I mean, chasing something like that is great. Uh, and I've hit flow state, but I, it's not, it's certainly not the, the, you know, in all caps reason that I get out and ride. I get out to be with people that I like riding with and having fun. It's that simple. And what fun is, is going to change from ride to ride and season to season. Very cool. Okay. Well, I mean, when viewed through that lens, yeah, I, I see how that is the common thread through your history as a cyclist. Fascinating mm -hmm. yeah. stuff. All righty. Well, thanks, I guys. I would agree. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, who knows? What, you know, what's going to be fun next year? We'll see. Or this year. <laughs> it's, it's up for grabs. The season is young. <laughs> Let's get to the pick, guys. Um, I am going to kick off. The picks this year, uh, this year, I'm <laughs> starting to think long term with the pace line. Uh, I am, I, I've got a dumb pick, but it's a good pick, and it is string cheese. Uh, I think that there is some sort of natural, perfect correlation between food that comes in a packet that fits in a jersey and unwraps easily. And what I love while I'm on a ride, and I don't know why, but I love just being able to tear open a packet of cream cheese, not cream cheese, string cheese while on a ride, mid-ride, put down a foot, and it is just nice. I, I don't know if you guys have ever actually ridden with uh, a couple of sticks of uh, string cheese on a ride. Have you? Mm. Do you know what I'm talking nope. about? Oh, I, well, I've got kids. Yeah, yeah I know what string cheese is, but I've never ridden with it. But it, it is delicious. With it. So well, it doesn't melt. No, no. Oh. Um, I mean, it gets soft, sure, but it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't liquefy. If that's your question, it stays. It stays solid enough that when you peel it, you can. You know, it's still uh, string cheese shape. Um, and you know, I think. Uh, I think the good news is you're getting your salt out of that too. It should be fairly salty. It, it's salty. It's got some fat, and I mean, it's a different texture than most of the things that you bring on a ride, mm -hmm. and it's not so much dairy that uh, it gives me any issues. You know, like right. like most middle aged guys, you know, they I, I've got sort of a you know a dairy threshold above which uh, it's not good for people to be around me if I exceed. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. this does not cross that threshold. Um, Highly recommended. That's yeah. my pick. String uh, cheese. If a you great get a chance treat. then, Fatty, if you really like that stuff, if you can get your hands on some Oaxacan string cheese, some Oaxacan, it's just, they call it just Oaxacan cheese, but it's just like you're talking about. It's mm -hmm. the same texture. It peels apart the same way. Generally, it comes in big lumps. Uh, that's right. how, yeah, it's, it, but it's beautiful stuff. It's really good. Uh, curds too. Very similar to string cheese, uh, a little more solid. And actually, you could put those in your pocket. So curds are kind of got that same salty type uh, cheesy flavor you're looking for. So curds is another good one, too. I love the cheese. I like I'm that right. idea. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, you guys know that I'm a big fan of goo and of chews and things like that. But yep. something mid-ride, if you're not racing, where you can put down a foot and eat something that feels like real food yeah. but is simple to get out and package, big fan. So 
that's my pick. A little bit longer than I expected, but I wasn't expecting you guys to be so excited about my idea. <laughs> Patrick, yeah, let's go on to you. What's your pick? So I'd like to recommend the book Stealing Fire by Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel for, shall we say, our more adventurous listeners. It's a book about flow. And while it is purported to be a business book, one that hit the New York Times bestseller list, it tackles its fair, its subject in a fairly unconventional way. Um, it comes at flow from the angle of the old Greek word ecstasis, as in the root for ecstasy. It spends a lot of time talking about non-ordinary states of consciousness, of which flow states are one. And not all of those that are discussed in the book are achieved through bike riding or surfing or things like that. Um, let me say it's a book for the very open-minded. Uh, but for those who do think of themselves as open-minded, it has the power to send someone on a transformational journey. I'll admit that I'm a little high on this book, uh, no pun intended, uh, after spending last weekend in a writing workshop with Kotler. So I'm currently going back through the book right now and really enjoying it. All right. Fantastic pick. I... Uh... I will at least check it out. Hottie, you've mm -hmm. got the you've got the final pick of the baseline. Uh, guys, I've ridden the, from Orange County to San Diego about four times. Three were organized centuries, and now once, as you've heard on the show, with Mrs. Hottie. I pretty much have the route memorized. The ride itself is really not that challenging, nor does it offer anything truly iconic. I mean, I could spell out lots of reasons why the ride to San Diego is kind of a pain. The ride out of Santa Ana, Orange County, for instance, takes you down the San Gabriel River, which is lined with homeless and litter. Coastal Orange County, on a Saturday morning, finds bikes competing with oversized SUVs rushing to get kids to soccer practice. The streets of downtown San Diego have cracks and potholes that swallow 700C wheels. There's only a few sections where your speed is not interrupted by stop signs or traffic lights. But just as I can find reasons that this ride can be a pain, I can find twice as many that make it an enjoyable day on the bike. There's San Clemente, which reminds me of my grandfather. My grandfather hated Richard Nixon. And every time I ride through San Clemente, I think of Nixon because the former president loved the beaches there and would often stroll them as he contemplated China relations, the reporting of Woodward and Bernstein, and Kissinger's funny accent. Trestle State Beach reminds me of Huel Hauser. Huel was a happy-go-lucky host of the PBS show California's Gold, and he did an episode at Trestle's, a famous beach and a fabulous surf spot. At the other end of that beach is San Onofre, the nuclear power plant that had to be shut down. It's funny to think as I ride by that I'm producing more watts than a nuclear power plant. The next highlight is the most important marine base on the West Coast, Camp Pendleton. They have a huge chunk of land from the ocean to about 10 miles inland. You either ride on the I-5 or ride through their base. The Marines are good enough, when we're not at war, to let us pass as long as you give them a heads up, have a valid ID, and do not call them soldiers as you reach that Las Polgas gate. They are Marines. Hoorah. <laughs> the northern San Diego Beach communities are super laid back. Carlsbad, Encinitas, Lucadia, Suami, Solana Beach... The waft of Mexican food mixing with the sea air, it's heavenly. But my favorite is Cardiff by the Sea, home of the Cardiff Kook. The Kook is a statue of a surfer that is often dressed up or dressed down. It's even been stolen a few times. 
that as long as the thieves or the ginormous waves haven't gotten him, you can catch a glimpse of the Cardiff Kook as you ride by. Torrey Pines is the only real climb in western San Diego County. The locals make a big deal about this thing. It's a mile and a half with a 400-foot climb at about a 5% grade. Mrs. Hottie and I took about 15 minutes to get up it. Phil Guyman has the KOM, 4 minutes, 21 seconds. Over the top of Torrey, there's a Scripps and UC San Diego, beautiful institutions, then down onto a cool bike path that spits you onto Mission Bay. When I look at the waters of Mission Bay, I'm reminded of my uncle who built and managed hydroplanes. They're like the IndyCar of boats, and they used to race on Mission Bay. The rest of the ride to downtown San Diego is uneventful, and like I said, those downtown streets are pretty awful. But if you're not staying the night, the train station's right there. Just hop on the Pacific Surfliner, grab a beer, and relive what is a pretty cool SoCal ride. You know, I would have you as a tour guide any day. <laughs> you make that sound like a lot of fun. You could do that as a bikepacking trip. Uh, guess, oh, maybe <laughs> I will. As long as there's hotels in between that I can ship my stuff to ahead of time. All right, Patrick, what's coming up on RKP? Well... Just yesterday, I posted something from George Mount, smiling George, who was sixth at the uh, U.S. Uh, at the uh, uh, Olympics in 1976. Uh, I'm not sure why I stumbled over that. Um, so he is beginning to do some writing again. He hasn't written in a while, and he has some, shall we say, long-term goals. Uh, but the first of what w is likely to be a series. Uh, is up on RKP, and people, quite justifiably, are flipping out over it. It's a pretty terrific piece. It is a good read. I've read that one myself. So, yeah, looking forward to more of those. Hope that you will come out soon. All right. I think that's a wrap for episode 112. One last reminder, find us on Apple Podcasts and take a moment to give us a five-star rating. Write a review, too. For Heidi and Patrick, I'm Fatty. This has been episode 112 of The Pace Line. We are going to be departing promptly at 12.05. If there are any visitors, baggage handlers, or helpers on board, please do keep that in mind. All aboard.